There it is. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the second installment of Philosophical Deep Cuts. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams. To my right, he is now a master Hunter Dorset. Master. <laughs> Sitting across from me is the sleepy dad, Steven oh. Shavana. Hey, it's been a long day, man. It has been. <laughs> they all And to the left of me, it's the sage with short hair, Ahmed oh. Siddiqui. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Not a lot. So I'm glad to have everyone back around this table. I've been looking forward to doing another one of these for a while. I've been looking forward to coming back. Yeah, our audience was pretty stoked about the last one we did. Yeah, we've just been compiling up all of our deepest and darkest thoughts <laughs> after 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 our last success, you know. Yeah, the now dark can, ones are, are yeah. especially important. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So if you haven't listened to Deep Cuts before, it's pretty simple. All of the guests come around the table and they bring one topic of conversation and then we converse converse we yeah. converse about it. Converse. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty easy. And then since Ahmed here is here, who is working on his PhD in philosophy, we make the topics philosophical. Philosophical. Um, now, Ahmed, when you were here last, we ended with your topic, and I felt like Hunter and I's brains were just like melting out of our ears at that point, so we didn't stay on it as long. So I would like you to go first today, oh, if you're okay. all right with that. Yeah, I can nice. do that. I was, I was hoping to you know, come up with a question while everybody else was talking, but instead I'll just Oh, I'll just boy. Up. There we go. All right. So I, I wanted to ask a question. Um, that, that I think is especially relevant uh, today in the modern world and I expect will become more relevant as time goes on. And that is, do you think that human society as a whole, the human civilization, the race, the species, would be better off if we did not have religion? Ooh. Mm. Okay. In, in at no point in human history religion had occurred or if we come to a point where there is no I'm religion. thinking more of the latter because okay. that seems like something like that it's at least on the table. You know? yeah. That's, I actually yeah. read an article today about how um, like teenagers, they, did, they, they, asked, they surveyed like 16 million people in this study and they're finding that amongst teenagers, religion is, be, is like at its lowest importance. Yeah, yeah that's right. You know? mm. But I don't know, we, we've kind of talked about this exactly um, and... I can be a little harsh on religion. I have I have problems with organized religion. I grew up uh, in a Catholic family, right. and they're not like overtly like Catholic. It's not like that's their lifestyle. It's just I happened to you know we just we went to church. You know I was baptized. I had first communion, but I never was confirmed. Um, and I now sometimes feel like religion is sort of the last echo of the olden times of almost like barbarism. You yeah. Know? And for me, it, it really bums me out that it still has such a hold. I kind of feel biased against it um, just because I guess for me, what religion bugs me, like bugs me the most about is that it stifles, in my opinion, um, like individual thought, Sure. you know, and right. I would say that there's people out there who like maybe they aren't of the highest intelligent level and they're not out there to sort of wrestle with all these deep questions and you know it definitely can be good for at least giving those people like a guided path but i think ultimately it it stifles um just yeah freedom of thought and expression yeah. sure yeah yeah i think the um i think one of the major trends we see in uh, society today is the dissolution of plow of power there's much it's a much more multinodal system that we have going on that's creating like a, a good phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. yeah there we go. Multinodal. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and we see that in direct contrast to the hyper centralization of most religious institutions. I think there's very, most of them are very hierarchical. There's a uh, very little uh, space allowed to be an individual. And there's just very little dialogue between uh, the people that are creating Canon and the people that have to follow it. And mm. in modern society, that's, not part of the bargain that most people have with like institutions or uh, people in power. You know, they yeah. they think of it more as a a, a bargain. You know, there's something mm -hmm. to be bargained between the two. Yeah, and right. and I think um, Catholicism has kind of wanted to go that way a little bit. But I mean, come on, it's, it's the Catholic Church. There's only so far you're going to take that. And I think uh, some people, I think like uh, generic liberals on the left, were like really like super stoked about this new pope that we have. Right. But then you hear uh, last week they say yep. he the Vatican says something like uh, the Irish uh, referendum on gay marriage was something like 
a major blow to it's humanity. The human race, yeah, yeah like a that. huge, a major blow to the human race, and and then we see right there, it's like, okay, no, we're super far away on this. Yeah. So yeah. like, I kind of want to directly address your question by paraphrasing Gandhi, actually. Fucking which Gandhi. I'm pretty sure <laughs> well, he didn't have anything to do with religion, so <laughs> yeah, this seems this seems largely irrelevant. Yeah. Um, I think that I think I'm I think it was Gandhi that I'm paraphrasing and saying that um, religion was like a very valuable tool, almost like almost like an industrial revolution of sorts um, for like bringing people together in communities and like like working through stuff together and like mm-hmm. like the even just the notion of community it was like it's like a new form of tribalism right um but he also said that like he thinks that it's kind of reaching its end and that we're going to have to come up with like the newer version uh that kind of transcends the religion the way that we practice it today and to answer your question directly i think that if we're looking at it from a prospective um you know, way of looking at it where, you know, going forward, if we were to change how we view religion, yes, I think that um, for the most part, I think it is a tool that can be used for good, but right now I just think it's abused um, for all sorts of different, either political purposes or um, the stifling of creativity. I mean, it like a, a lot of times religion is just a way out from really trying to answer tough questions because you can just say, oh, it's my faith. You know, I just believe that. You know, you don't really have, yeah, weak you faith don't have is, to know the answer, you know? Yeah, weak faith has got to be the most annoying, like, uh, uh, like characteristic of people, right? It's like, if you meet somebody that has strong faith and they, like, want to have a conversation with you, it's, like, one of the most, like, invigorating things you can experience as a person, right? <laughs> but, like, somebody that just, you know, is like, I, I'm Catholic because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get, was born get out Catholic. Of here. We got yeah. nothing to say to you. But I mean, yeah. faith, faith, just like the term faith, for me, is sort of lame because it's really just saying, I believe in this even though I have no evidence to be able to believe it. Yeah, otherwise it wouldn't be faith. Yeah. yeah. And I, that even goes to, to the idea of belief versus just like thinking of something, right? Like so much of about religion is about – this was actually going to be my question, so I'm going to change it. So much of my, so much it's a of, package deal. Yeah, so much of religion, like especially like Christianity, it's like you need to believe that Jesus is savior. So it's like, what is belief? What is the notion of believing in something? Like I, I'm in a band right now. I believe my music's good. That doesn't mean that it's actually good. You know, I believe it to my bones, but like whether or not I believe it doesn't really actually make it true or not true. So, hmm. what does belief actually mean? And is that really different? It's really just a more assured way of saying I think this. You know, yeah. Right. So I don't know. I just faith sort of pisses me off in general because I don't have it. So yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. then I, I think this was a good question to ask. Because I'm, I'm going to try now to argue that the answer to the question whether we would be better off without religion is no. Mm. I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, one, one thing I have to comment to begin with, though, it's interesting that um, I should have said this to qualify at the beginning. Um, there's a massive question about whether any of the particular religions out there are true or not. And if we're not certain that none of them are true, then we have to be really careful. Because if, let's say, um, let's say one of these uh, sort of conservative traditional versions of Christianity is correct, and that if you don't accept Jesus as your savior, you will go to hell for eternity, right? Mm-hmm. If okay. that's the case, then the question, is humanity better off without religion, is a resounding no, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that's one thing we have to keep in mind. Is, you know, <laughs> our answer to this question is dependent on how certain we are that each of the religions are making wrong claims, okay. right? So that, that's one thing, and, and, that, and that I find to be tough to do, tougher <laughs> to do than, than it first appears. Absolutely. Um, but even putting that aside for now, that, that sort of massive uh, bracketing, I think there, there are reasons to say that, that even aside from the issue of truth, there's a usefulness to religion that uh, is easy to overlook. And, and I'll try to, to argue for it by saying something like this. At no point in human history have, has such a large portion of, of the human race really believed that we are, as a species, purposelessly spinning on a rock in the middle of an uncaring cosmic world. Like now? Now. Now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, after you die, that's it. 
It's just the end of your individual existence. And that once humanity as a whole is extinct, that's it. The universe isn't going to shed a single tear. It's not even going to notice. That's just, that's just the end of it. And in fact, there might be a day when all intelligent life in the universe is just gone and it will have been for nothing. Yeah. And not only that, but you know, the people you care about, they're going to die too. And then, you know, every, everything that, everything that you care about, like, uh, like love and justice, these sort of deep driving passions that we have are just human constructs that have ultimately no meaning whatsoever outside (laughs) of the meaning. Yeah. Outside (laughs) of the meaning that we want to give to it. Right. At no point have have so many people believed this, and I think that's because you know, like the survey you were talking about, religious belief goes down, and mm-hmm. the belief in this sort of thing that I'm talking about goes up. Right. You know, there's a kind of nihilism that starts to creep in necessarily, and you could say, you know, as a result, you get a kind of uh, freedom of thought. You know, a kind of uh, uh, you're, you're getting out from under the reins of religion, and there's a real positivity to that. But I also think there's a palpable desperation that takes hold. And it's sometimes just lying under the surface, but I get the feeling when I talk to people, especially people around our age, you know, who might have grown up religious or might not have, but at this point in time, they just can't bring themselves to believe in any of this, you know, about God or about how things are going to work out in the end. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's just a, there's right under the surface, you can just sense a kind of darkness there and they just don't know how to deal with it and it pervades their life. And in some extreme cases, I think you see the symptoms creeping into society. I wonder if things like, and this is going to be a little controversial, but I wonder if the kind of excesses that we talk about when we think about American excess, you know, mm-hmm. the materialism, yes. the, ex, you know, the amazing amount of drugs that we consume relative to our, the number of people who live here, that sort yeah. of thing. Right. You know, the craziness with sex, just the excesses that we have. I wonder if that's not all ultimately rooted in this kind of despair. You know, we, we have very little sense of purpose. And so what, what is there left to do in, in the few short years that you have on this earth? Yeah. Enjoy I think, it. I think that despair too, um, is a lot of faith to me also comes from like just a fear of death. And yeah, I think those are definitely connected. You know, and I think that that kind of fear, like if you're really going to go out and say that there is nothing out there, um, then you better hope you're right because if you're not, then you might be end up you know getting judged and all that. And I, you know, I can see how that like that might be the foundation of what this darkness comes from. But also, I think maybe the react like this ex- excess of at least maybe in the sexual uh, matter that almost to me sometimes seems like a reaction to religion and you know centuries before yeah. where you know you were kind of they were oppressing that and maybe they were rightfully doing so. Um, some like another you know things that religion also used to provide is like schooling and hospitals sure. yeah. and and you know care for the poor and things like that and those were all great things as well yeah so it's not like it's this wholly negative force yeah, either right um but i don't know I, I guess that feeling of being alone can cause that sort of like despair and and just the fact that like you'll never have the answer yeah as far as we can understand sure and I guess it might be easier for a religious person to, to feel validated in their choice that there is a religion because um, their choice to believe that is sort of bringing them like an optimism. But if you choose not to, then all of that's gone and you're, you're choosing to be alone, you know, and being alone sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that it's like, it's interesting because I do believe that there are a lot of positives about religion as well. Like, there are people that aren't as like super intellectual and like analytical and thinking about all these deep stuff. Like that's just not even how they're wired to like start constructing stuff like that just out of thin air. I do that stuff all the time, but like I understand why people don't do that, you know, or people that aren't even capable of doing that. And I think that religion is really good for those kinds of people because there are very few other things that are like. I mean, it's a it's a it's a phrase that I guess we can use. It. It'll be sort of punny, but like come to Jesus moments, yeah. Where it's like you strip everything away and you're finally not putting on a front. You're finally like, hopefully, able to pursue something in the only way that like it's just solely how you can do it. I don't know. There's no there's no facade about it. It's just like you trying to think about something spiritual and deeper than yourself. And I think that religion actually helps people that aren't as prone to, you know, deep philosophical thought. It kind of gets them in those moments and allows them to actually open up their mind to that kind of stuff a little bit more. And so, like, in that instance, it's good. 
But then there's a flip side because <clears throat> while you think about it, since we aren't coming to conclusions, a lot of times most of the real deep things that we're talking about, we're not really coming to conclusions. We're not like, we're not like, oh, okay, well that's how I feel about that now, you know. And so with religion, you can kind of just opt out and be like, I don't need to know how I feel about that because, like, in the end, it's really just about like God and my relationship with God and that kind of thing. And so, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that it's a very compelling point that it would be better to hang on to religion, but I think it's both ways. I think it, it's going to be an individual thing, I think. Well, I think it's hard to know if uh, people are feeling despair because of an absence of religion, because there is, I think, also this resignation that religion is just going to be here forever, you know, is that there is no getting rid of it, is that, you know, there's quite a few around the world, uh, billions of practitioners, and it doesn't feel like an age where this is leaving, you know? So I, I Although think... Although that is the trend, right? I mean, I In think the West, at least. In the, at least in the West, yeah. yeah. There are predictions that, like, by 2700, we'll finally have, like, gotten over the majority of people not being yeah, but religious. But anybody trying to predict what happens in 2700, <laughs> I absolutely do not believe. But I, I mean, know for a fact that that, that thing that will then not happen. Yeah. We'll have another podcast in 2701, and I'm going to show you guys that I was exactly <laughs> hey, did right this about all of that. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, but even if you, like, if religion, I think religion will kind of exist always and forever, but maybe not in the ways that we see it now. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe if there's like this, uh, as just a part of human nature, we have this need to sort of collect ourselves in a community around how we view maybe the world or existence or whatever. But I wish, and, and I think religion would be super positive if instead of going to church and reading an excerpt from the Bible and having the priest tell you what the lesson was, if instead, like for instance, uh, Catholicism has, I think it's called the catechism. Yeah, the catechism is. Yeah. Is the catechism, and it's it's the like it's where all of the philosophers in the church wrote down their stuff. It's and pretty I, awesome. Yeah, and I and I remember one time Darian brought me some excerpts, and I was like, holy crap, I would agree with all of this. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, why can't this be on Sunday? Mm -hmm. You know, like why can't we talk about the, these things? And that that's what really bothers me. Like, um, don't don't tell me about. A, a guy in, in a in a sheep pen who did this thing or whatever. It's, let's let's get to the heart of the matter and and discuss it. Also, I don't like that religion sort of conjures up um, a sort of like what happened. The relationship with the text is like this is your one source sort of for all of these lessons and these morals. And I th you can only really, in my opinion, grow if you're sort of like cross analyzing that. You're purposely trying to disagree with it. You're trying to find ways to go against it and when you almost create in people like a fear to do so that's what i think is ultimately like so destructive you know and people say like well what's so harmful about the bible if it or any sort of text if it mm -hmm. if it provides all these lessons i'm like because you can find these lessons anywhere it doesn't have to mm -hmm. come from this you know i think the bible is like a major source for great lessons and stuff though. yeah sure absolutely but i still think but like, will all, it be in the future is the question we in this conversation, I don't think we're doubting its like historical significance, but like, where does the Bible fit? You know, five years from now, even right. that's hard to say. Well, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with your point, and I'm gonna allude it to South Park, um, and it it was like the 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 basic thing that I'm saying is that um, I just think it's so funny how people are so like afraid of the subject matter that they broach, uh, and they're just like, that's just too much. Like, that's just why do they do that? That's just too much. And that, to me, is just fear. Like, that is, at the deepest part of your soul, if you really honestly believe that something is 100% true, and you think it's irrefutably true, then why wouldn't you want as many people trying to refute it as possible and talk shit about it, and then if it stands the test of time, then you feel that much better about it, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, why, do, why, are, why is there this big sort of, like, you know, I feel like there's like a, a, a palpable afraid. Like people are afraid of like thinking outside of like, I'm one of the few people that I know that I believe in a creator. I think that we're created. I think the universe was created. Um, but I don't really have like a religion that I adhere to. And when I tell people that, they're like, so you don't believe in God? And I'm like, no, I do believe in God. But, like, I don't have a religion that I adhere to. I don't put them in a box and say, like, this is my God. I need to believe in him this way. And they're like, so you don't believe in God? I'm like, no, I do. Like, it was this yeah. disconnect that I get with people. And it's it's scary to me because they just, like, it doesn't even comprehend to them that, like, I don't know, people think about it differently. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, plus, uh, with that fear, one of the most destructive things I think happens with religion is just like the immense amount of guilt that it instills in people. And like, I hate, I like to me, one of the worst concepts in religion is original sin. I hate that. I hate mm. that like, you know, in our own court system, you're you're innocent until you're proven guilty. But in religion, you're born guilty. You're born a sinner. You know. Although like, it's it's narrower than that, right? I mean, that's that's Christianity, and I'm not even sure that's all sects of Christianity, right? Sure, but Christianity is like pretty large. That's a, yeah, 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 fair enough. <laughs> I, would, I would say it's but but, most but just to say, you know, we shouldn't substitute Christianity for religion, right? Yeah, right. which yeah. we've okay. done yeah. probably this pretty much this it's whole. It's the one that we're closest to, so it's a nice substitute. Yeah. But yeah, we need sure. yeah for sure. But he, Anyway, that that just sense of like almost like hating yourself and like hating your own body and like I just think it's so destructive, like taking all of even the flaws of humanity and like damning them. And I'm like, you should celebrate them, you know, and like learn how, what they are and like how to live with them and stuff. You know, don't you, you create in, and I don't know, I think heavy metal music has honestly even made me a little more callous towards um, religion as well, where like heavy metals borrowed a lot of imagery from like Satan and mm -hmm. demonic stuff, but it's comp the meaning of it for them is so much different. In fact, it can be a huge source of community. Like when I go to heavy metal concerts and everyone's wearing like pentagram earrings and stuff, like it doesn't, they're not evil and they don't scare each other. Like that is just the symbols that they signify themselves by. And so when you, like it's just unthinkable for someone to like some super religious people to even be in the same room with that stuff. I'm like, what are you so afraid of? You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of like, uh, dry, like, uh, lack of confidence in people that are faithful today. That's driving away the people that want to see, uh, belief as something, you know, outside of just what canon is. Um, and personally, to uh, the, the the thing that I would like to see uh, authority figures in religion do more often is actually, if we could ever get to a point where they can confess to the days where they lack faith openly, that's the kind of conversation I'm I'm looking for. Is because I know there are priests out there that don't believe some days, you know, but you can't tell your congregation, no matter what religion you are, that there's a day that sometimes you don't believe. But if we can get it to a point where there's open conversation, and I guess that's that, that that's a trend in between power and authority in society that is not just applicable to religion, but also to politicians. Politicians can't tell you that X, Y, and Z is not right some days. You know, mm -hmm. They have to project power in a way that makes it seem like there is just truth out there in reality that he's observing correctly and that you know, you should gain, uh, he, he should have favor from you. So yeah. something that, that has come up in a, in a few of the responses that we've been batting back and forth is this idea that uh, for some sort of person, for a certain type of person, religion might be healthier than it is for other types. For some, it's stifling, and for some, it's it's protective. And I think, I think that's true, but I think it's, I think that's not commonly... Uh, focused on these days because and part of it is that we we have this deep belief in egalitarianism and we we resist any kind of elitist notion that religion is good for some people you know but it's not yeah. good for the rest of, but i think you know the something type like that. yeah exactly <laughs> you know the type, yeah but i think something like that might be very true and and it's sort of a, a low bar question that i think i'm not sure but some of you might might even agree with this which is to say if you have if if it's the case that religion, religious beliefs uh, are always going to be subject to doubt and they don't hold up to strict scrutiny. Might it not still be better to sort of let some people alone, leave them in their beliefs? Yeah, I mean... But if that's the case, then that means we, as a society, we have to start thinking, should we protect it? Should we stop people from just yelling from the rooftops about scientific findings that would seem to suggest that we're more alone than we think we are, things like that. I mean, I would never want someone's right of, I guess, even free speech for that. Like, you should always be able to, if you're going to say something, you should say it and not be stopped because it's going to damage someone else's, like, system. Um, but I also think that, yeah, if it exists with some people, like, I, it's not bothering me. I can go about my day, and they can do them. I'll do me. It's fine. But when it comes to, like, and I guess getting back to your original question of it, 
if we would be better off without it, like, I think we can pretty much say that religion is like the biggest cause of like war and human death and suffering no, out there. I don't there. know about that. I disagree with that. You don't think? It's always no. a controversial claim. I think that that's the, that is the notion that most people get, but I think that, I think it's a major contributor. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I think that there are, there are other things like just land and, and you know, just rights to things that are, that are probably more drivers for like actual war. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but, there's always, the, the different the thing that we have to highlight here in like trying to find causation for war and conflict is that we see a uh, difference in culture and belief constantly that is a constant feature of humanity throughout mm-hmm. time war is not war is seldom and it's it's hard to point to the instances where disagreement leads to conflict directly in in how, in how it actually makes it manifest, like cultural differences leading to war. Yeah, yeah. It's like because those things exist all the time, but war does not. So <laughs> there's something missing there. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know, but I mean, even with today's like what you just read in the news about war and all that, it seems to be um, religiously driven. You know. Yeah, I now. mean that notion gets a little bit more popular with uh, like the the, the uh, clash of civilizations yep. thesis yeah. from, from the nineteen you know nineteen Samuel. What was his name? Huntington. Samuel Huntington. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he writes it in like something like the late eighties or nineties, and then like several years later, nine eleven happens, and then we're in a decade and a half of the war and terror, mainly from uh, Islamic people. You know, well, not to uh, not to open up a, a huge can of worms, but just just a remark. I don't think we should discuss this too deeply, but mm-hmm. there's a suggestion that that I think can be made that as long as human beings believe in something strongly and we don't all believe in the same thing strongly, there will be war. Now, the converse of that is that the price of peace, of real, lasting world peace, would be a world where people don't have deep, serious beliefs that come into conflict with each other. Mm. And there's a possibility, if that's all correct, that it's just not worth it. Yeah, I can see how it being not worth it is a good response because you don't want to live in like a bland, homogenized world where everything's the same and people don't have opinions. Like that definitely sounds like it sucks. But then again, you know, like cultural cultural wars to me seem like the scariest and most destructive things ever. War is obviously not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. right. And like another, like one final point that I have about religion, which is something that turns me off about it in the way that it's conveyed today and I, I guess of, of history is the notion that like you believe in something and you accept something but you're not accepting it for yourself you're accepting it as truth for everybody you're saying like I think that this is right and I think that everyone that doesn't believe in this isn't right and that that bothers me to my soul you know like so much of me being real with myself is saying I don't know the answers and I'm open to hearing everybody that has something to say about it. And I'm going to make my own path and my own decisions based off of, like, you know, my understandings and and my value system. Um, But I want to hear people. It's not me knowing that this is true because you don't know. As many people as say they know stuff, they don't know. Yeah. And and I think that's what really bothers me is, is it's like there's so many notions that, like, Maybe this is more the major religions, like Islam and uh, Christianity and Judaism. Uh, I don't even know if that applies to Judaism. But I just wish that there was more of like this sort of (laughs) arms wide open kind of thing. Under the sunlight. Where we're we're accepting the fact that like this is what I believe, but I'm open to other people having other beliefs. Well, that kind of goes to Ahmed's point, right? Is like... Are we going to live in a society in the future where, like, we have beliefs, but we're just going to be like, well, it's not worth it to just, like, try to convince other people that the thing that you believe is true to other people? Or are we just, you know, just going to say, say la vie? I don't think that it's that important to, like, make everyone think what you think, though. What if if the stakes are as high as hell, though? Right, and you could say you could say that hunter any God. religion, any religion <laughs> with a concept of hell needs to go. I mean, you could make that argument because that's True. just impossible. And I mean, this is basically the premise of of liberal democracy, right? We can't have people 
acting on the belief that their neighbors are going to burn in hell. You can believe it, but don't act on it. Because if you act on it, then you're going to try to convert them. Then you're going to try mm-hmm. to fight them. Because nothing you do is as bad as what's awaiting them. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Fuck. But that, that's another thing to keep in mind is the whole, like, truth and the absolutism of it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, having some skepticism, I think, is definitely healthy, though. I agree. Um, all right, so, great topic, Ahmed. Thank you. Thank you. Did you have, Hunter, anything, like... I know you said this was kind of combining into yours as well. Was, that a, a, was I, that a double I had, feature? I had a couple that I was thinking of, so I could do it the other one. You going to do another one? Yeah. All right, throw it out there. Um, I'll preface it with a little bit of little infor- information. Um, lately, I feel like everyone that I know is in a relationship. Um, Even the Tards getting married. <laughs> and I was talking with uh, David last night. We were talking about like the notion of going out there, meeting new people, how important it is to be around people and stuff. Um, and then I even saw like a Facebook post today by a kid that was sort of an outcast in our high school, and it was just really sad. It was like, man, like people just keep like deleting me from their friends, and like I've tried to be cool with those people for years, and I just wow. don't know what the deal is. And, all. and That is rough. So, that is so, super rough, man. So I think it, it's like the stock market, though, on Facebook. It, like, as soon as people start exiting that your stock on Facebook, unfriending you, yeah. it's just like, ah, Cliff, oh, done. Man, yeah. So, <laughs> and you don't, you don't come back, man. <laughs> so I guess, like, my overall question, um, with all that being said, is how important is a life? And important is that the end of the question? No, oh, no. Okay. How important is a life? <laughs> That, uh, that was me buzzing, <laughs> buzzing in. in a little yeah. too early. Yeah. Oh, um, how important is a life that can't be surrounded by a lot of other people? You, you don't have a whole lot of social interaction. Like, would you say that a life that was lived mostly in isolation is less valuable or less worth living than a life that isn't constantly surrounded by You mean a people? life born in the dark, bred in it? Breathes it. Batman? Is that what you're going for? Or? Uh, I'm not familiar. Okay. Shut the fuck this up. This is just but, poetry. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's sort of my question is like how important is social interaction and being around and accepted by other people? How important is that in like the overall conclusion of like what life is about? I think social acceptance where it's at like now comes down to social norms you know, which can ultimately change. It might be that 30 years from now, being like completely alone is the best thing ever. And we're, you know, we're talking. That would be weird. That would be crazy. I, I don't know, man. I mean, if if human beings need other people just to be fulfilled to some extent, do you think it would change that quickly? No, uh, definitely not. I okay. mean, like, I definitely think human interaction is like needed, but... um yeah, I forgot where my train But if it is, why? Why is yeah. it, why is it needed? But you, you were know? saying you were saying you know social norms change, which is, yeah, that's, that's it's certainly um, true. Yeah, I, I mean your your li- I mean your life to me is is like the ultimate value. Like correct. Just because you don't have people in it doesn't mean like you're worthless, you know, and that you shouldn't be alive or any or like it's not worth living. I mean, just being alive is like the ultimate victory every day. Um, but if you're not, like, I guess you're kind of asking, like, if you're not being, if you don't feel fulfilled because you're alone, like, what what kind of effect does it have on a person? No, it's more like, is is your life, is your life worth living if you can't be around other people? Yeah, wow. If you can't share it with somebody? Yeah. And, and the, that goes with, you know, relationships and or friends, mm-hmm. you know, like, is... Is the notion that you live your whole life without like a close relationship with a significant other, is that like less valuable than another life that was shared with somebody else? Sort of. It's really hard to stomach uh, saying yes to that, but I think that is my my gut instinct. Is that I mean I wouldn't say more valuable. That's the thing that's difficult to say. I'd say it's yeah. By uh, what standard? You know. Right. Well, I would never try to say one person is more valuable than another. I mean, that's Albert Einstein. Is that and 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 me? Who is that? I'd, mm. I'd say Albert Einstein is more valuable than me. <laughs> Maybe to humanity, but not <laughs> in singularity, not in isolation. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd say having a relationship is er, and being uh, fulfilled in society is highly important, and I think that's like a major trend that we see in 
the development of cultures towards I think it's an interesting dichotomy between like the growth of individualism and like the growth of uh, like over socialism. Yeah. Over over socialization. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, on the one hand, I think that our, our bodies are just uh, vassals for identities to be created through the interaction with other people through social interaction. But then at the same time you see this rise of individualism. So it's like, it's a rise of individualism, but uh, of what what is that individual but not the makeup of other people's beliefs and ideas and behaviors and and moods and great point. And positions you know so it's a weird weird thing that we're going through right now that it's hard to place because it's super I, as much as like i try to be like i don't you know I, I don't care what other people think or i shouldn't be doing this for other people i should always be doing this for me like being honest with that and actually trying to say that like if some I did something and no one noticed, like that definitely sucks. Or even yeah. if everyone hated you for what you did. Yeah, yeah. that would be even Are you worse. really okay with that? You know? No, is that worse? That may be okay. I mean, because I think we see people doing evil things and absurd things. And and uh, you mentioned Albert Einstein. You know, those uh, once-in-a-lifetime kind of individuals that are so exceedingly rare that seem to be so isolated. You know, they spend a lot of their lives in isolation, but... Over time, you see that they're vindicated by history, you know, and then you could you could say that they had the most social interaction because their name is known by everybody, you know. So, you have Pablo Picasso or an Einstein, people that lived their lives in isolation and then are remembered forever for it. Yeah, you but know? that's they're, only that's if they almost like one something of, the, of value, yeah. though, right? Like, if you don't have something like great to contribute to humanity in that way, you're saying that like the isolation makes you gen- basically makes you worthless almost like like sort of maybe makes your legacy worthless like i almost feel like we're kind of wrestling with the idea of like glory in in a way yeah. as well yeah. you know i'd like to hear what Ahmed has to say yeah well i mean i'm a little ambivalent on this question it's a good one but uh, i have a couple of thoughts and i think they conflict a little so i'll just get them out there but <laughs> okay you know on the one hand and then there's no doubting that human beings uh at our very core, in our constitution, are, are social creatures. You know, that's that's the way we're programmed. And you know, I'm, uh, you know, that we all know people who are more introverted than others. But when it comes to those people who really turn inward and sort of shut themselves off from the world, I'm always a little bit suspicious. I always just think, yeah. you know, you're not, you're not, you, you, this is not the happiest you could be. You know, you're, there's something, there's something going wrong here. Right. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, so so yeah, you know we're social and, and we need that and just 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 to be happy. I think I think at least the vast majority of people need need some real relationships, uh, friendships at the least, and, and you know romantic relationships help too. But but just relationships. Um, on the other hand, there's no getting past the fact that at the end of the day, uh, we are all alone fundamentally in our minds i mean your consciousness is only yours we can try to share it with other people and we do that and and in the deepest kinds of friendships and it's i think it's especially clear in romantic relationships you really try to bridge that gap you know you can yeah yeah you know it's just the experience of of like looking into another human being's eyes and seeing that there's something there there's a kind of connection you know and that helps us exit the frustration of like being trapped in a body with one mind forever (laughs) exactly right but but just to recognize that there is a real limit to that you know all all you can really do is try to communicate through language and through actions uh that that there is a connection there and of course there are meaningful connections but fundamentally we are still isolated at, at our very core yeah we're gonna be the dog that dies underneath the porch step you know exactly mm-hmm. oh, what they say you know everybody dies alone mm-hmm. yep yeah and it, it also like going back to sort of having your own self-concept be created in the group that you're in you know yeah it's it's i, I mean, can't i can't remember where i read this it's like you're you're not who you uh think you are you're not who others think you are you are what you think others think you are you know yeah yeah and i think and i speak to that is like I would argue that the only person that can really make you happy is you that you can't honestly contrive happiness through the actions of other people now other people might help you validate yourself so that you have an easier access to feeling happy about whatever it is that you're doing and what you're about but that's what I told that kid today on, on Facebook, and I was like, dude, you know, 
it's natural for us to sort of try and place faith and um, hope that other people will bring us happiness. But what you find, the more you really lean on that, is that people let you down. Um, and that people can't make you happy. Only you can really make yourself happy because how you respond to things is entirely internal. Um, and that is going to be whether or not you know, you're completely isolated and, and miserable or whatever or, or happy and going out and doing stuff. Um, so Happiness I think, is a choice. Yeah, I think it is a choice. I think mm-hmm. happiness is a choice. Um, and so if you can't be around other people, like say there was a, a, a person that was like put in some sort of like normal life, but he wasn't around people. Could that person still be happy? You mean it was completely isolated from social contact? Right. Yeah. I think they've tried the. I mean, I think this might have been sort of a Nazi experiment with with infants and things, right? Well, we know in the case of infants that does not work at all. That is, you can provide them with food, but they need the touch. Right? Yeah, they I thought that was in Japan. Oh, that could be. That makes sense. Well, it was like the experiment was they had like a, a group around of, World War Two anyway, right? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, we were yeah. Doing this stuff. They had like a group of babies and. They and they had two groups of them. They each got the same like food and all that. But one group got like picked up and held, right? And the other oh, group just did not. Silly. The other group, every uh, like the other the group that did not get held, every baby died. Wow. Yeah, and I like there. there that's just crazy. Human touch. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there are clearly limits to that, right? Like like yeah. babies aren't really like social beings, and they haven't like realized themselves as individuals and stuff yet. Yeah, but isn't there not like some like energy that one person is giving to that baby, or like something that's going on there by them picking them up? No, like, I think there is. I think that I think that like the notion of exchanging energy is like a totally valid concept. Yeah, I mean, we look at the movie Interstellar where Matt Damon is like, you know, isolated for, you know, who knows how long, and he wakes up just crying, yeah. and you're just yeah. like, wait, is that, wait, that's yeah. Matt Damon. Yeah. That was my first <laughs> instinct in that, I was like, Absolutely. wait, is that fucking Matt Damon? This, this wasn't in the trailers at all. There's like 20 fucking people in this movie. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, didn't that hit you super hard, realizing, like, all throughout that film, you know, just, like, the deep isolation that you could feel yeah. without seeing people, you know? And I think that's extremely real. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's... I think you could easily lose your sanity being alone. And I think maybe that's why you could make an argument that someone maybe couldn't be happy. Like, they might... Like, yeah. I just don't know what would happen to your psyche if you were literally isolated, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like I would lose my mind. Like... How I would think in all of that would just so drastically change if I never talked to anybody. Well, this is exactly why solitary confinement is such, such a, a huge punishment. Such good. a horrific thing. Yeah, well, well, how it works, you know, it yeah. works because because it turns out that's an awful thing to do to somebody. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say like my primary function as a person is how is trying to gain favor from people is like making sure I'm well liked and received. I mean, maybe that's like a very egotistical thing to say, but. I think it's a surreal thing to say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to be manipulative or anything, but I'm just making sure that I am a person that people want to be with, right, surround yeah. themselves with. Yeah. I think it's, I think it would be hard for anyone to say that they, they aren't making efforts to try and have other people like them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I just think I would, I would hope that if I was like having had experienced everything I have in social manners, um, that if I if something happened and like some horrible catastrophic thing happened and like everyone except for me died, that maybe I would go back to more of like an animalistic way of looking at like life and reality, but I wouldn't be hopelessly, desperately just depressed and like life wasn't worth living, you know? And and that that to me is is like a hope, but I don't know if that would actually be reality. Yeah, I mean, is there not, like, instances of people who just, like, live in the wild or something? What if you were raised by wolves? Right, and, they're and like, it seems capable for those people to be able to, like, not be, not be, like, super happy, but not be, like, miserable, you know? Like, they're just at one with nature and just kind of, you know, just living. Well, cool. Steven? Uh, I'd say... Thank uh, you for the topic, Hunter. Right. No problem. So... Lately, and Chase, you've mentioned this fairly recently too, I've been uh, doubting the usefulness of theory 
in... Oh my, this is my topic. Damn. Is that what you were going to say? This is literally my topic. Go ahead. Let's okay. Just, okay. Well, here, we'll, let's get a, we'll just, get a twofer in here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, let's just hit it super hard then. Like, uh, I've been reading a book and uh, in it, he, he takes all academics to task saying that like the usefulness of theory has been... Uh, you know, devastating try to understanding reality, and it's just led to lots of uh, uh, misapproaches to success. And I'd like to, I want to, yeah, get let your me, thoughts on it. Let me augment the question. If you okay, will, with I your, need with, that. Bring yeah. what you wanted to with my own thing. So, like, the beginning of this last year, I guess, within fall, um, I pretty much made it a goal to figure out what I was about. Um, like really solidify what my systems of beliefs were. And Is that all when of... you were in my class? Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> you're, you're witnessing the brunt of yeah, it. Yeah. Part of the train, man. Um, because I was in, I was in Germany with, um, with all of these, all these friends and they all like were either really Catholic or, you know, religious in some way. And they all knew what they were about. When they would talk to me, I was like, well, I guess I don't have an exact answer because I haven't thought about it in a long time. So I need to think about it. So once I sort of nailed down what I thought was like, this is what reality is, um, or in even getting to the point where I was even thinking about like a reality, I created this system of thought. And then I realized that like I was just applying that system to everything and to me, it was like, well, I guess if you're only looking at things morally or you're only looking at things in any sort of fashion, then you're only going to see that thing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, my question, which goes along with yours, is like, at what point does theory become harmful when people start mistaking the theory for reality? Right. You know, mm-hmm. and they start losing out on maybe even accepting a whole new theory or... You yeah. know what? Else, what is actually out there? People, once you establish a theory that you find to be very descriptive of reality, um, there becomes a point uh, that you've alluded to where it becomes less useful, and people will try to augment reality to actually fit the theory retroactively. Yes, totally. Do you guys then, have an, an example in mind that might illustrate? Yeah, I mean, this? I I, I kind of need bounds on what theory. Like, are we saying theories about what is? Theories about reality. I mean, mm-hmm. is that yeah? Theories about like social science and okay, th- yeah, or even through hard science, the usefulness of trying to theorize what it will exist in the future, like mm-hmm. things that are theory defined, I guess, as something that can be generalized and put into practice, can be observed in in mm-hmm. uh, or even in a super basic sense. Like if you think that everything ultimately is black and white, then you're only going to see black and white. You know, mm. and yeah. there might be a color that you're missing out on. Okay, so we're talking about the fact that when you theorize, when you form a theory, it seems a necessary part of that is having assumptions that allow the theory to exist. Like an acceptance of... Like premises of the theory? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they're necessarily going to be premises, whatever the theory is. And um, the problem seems to come about when those premises are never questioned because a theory mm. can can presumably you could have a theory that seems to describe every case that you come across. Every case seems to be a confirmation of the theory. But that, of course, is not foolproof evidence that the theory is correct because your premises might be incorrect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah, Because if if anything, I was starting to feel like that my theory, or like my system that I had created just actually became a filter, you know, and like I'm taking reality, I'm filtering it through here. So, of course, right. everything I get is going to be touched by that filter and therefore is going to look like that system checks out. Right. Right. Um, and. But I will say what theory like you almost have to have theory because if you don't have it, like you can't talk about anything. Right. A it's a way to um, to relegate our thoughts, to put them into a concise uh, type of science and really try to. Uh, grade each thought we have against this thing that we should consider. To yeah, be observe true. and test that. Yeah, that, that notion. Mm-hmm. I mean, science is a good sci- science in general. The scientific method, I think, is a good example of this because uh, we can perform experiments and we can learn about the world and we can do experiments over and over again that seem to confirm the existence of natural forces like gravity, for example. You know, I can, and it can be as simple as tossing a lighter up in the air and seeing that it falls back down. I can do that experiment a million times over the course of my life, and I'm always going to get confirming evidence, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very easy, especially in the case of the scientific method, to forget that there are premises 
and you can't use scientific evidence to confirm the premises themselves. That's like in geometry when you try to use a postulate to prove itself. You know, it's circular reasoning. Mm-hmm. You can never do that, right? Yeah. And, and even science, you know, it has to operate on certain premises. One, that, that, there are, uh, that there is natural cause and effect, for example. And, you know, a lot of philosophies of science, uh, like David Hume or Karl Popper, Al-Ghazali, this medieval Islamic thinker, they question that very premise. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, they unravel all kinds of fundamental beliefs that we have about the way the world works. So I think in the case of science, it becomes really clear. Everything we see seems to confirm our scientific beliefs about the world. But when you really get at the fundamental premises, the assumptions of the scientific method, we're sort of taking a stab in the dark. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Most most innovation, which is... So we're not going to innovate anything by trying by just proving gravity exists over and over again, right? So yeah. that, that we can do all day long, and I don't dispute that. <laughs> but we're not going to be able to get to the moon by proving that gravity still exists. We have, in What I mean by that is we're not going to be able to reach the next level of technological innovation or scientific breakthrough just by proving our theories over and over again. So theories, in my opinion are actually things that happen after innovation takes place, true discovery, things that we, we enter a new domain just almost just purely through tinkering and trial and error. I mean, uh, something that is not as famous that, as I think it ought to be um, is the invention of the jet engine, jet propulsion in the late 1930s, is that, I mean, most people think of that historical event as something that took place in labs people that read a lot of books did a lot of math and they were like this these numbers say that this should create jet propulsion and that's not the case it, what happened was you know germans and italians like finally molded all the tubes to the right fucking way and then it works and they're like this is the thing yeah. let's figure let's, out what's let's, happening yeah, yeah right, let's right. figure out how this is happening so they just tried things over and over and over and over again and my sister who's actually now a rocket scientist was telling me how uh, nasa <laughs> you drop names on this podcast yeah it's gonna be just i know rachel Chavana is fine. <laughs> uh, uh, nasa has these uh, their rockets are fairly old and they were created by uh, uh ex-German scientists that just made it and they're they haven't they don't have any blueprints for it or anything so now they're like cutting them in half delicately and doing x-rays and stuff to trying to figure out what's in their own rocket because there actually is nothing there that they can just like go back to a database and be like this is how you make our rockets and they own it you know Mm, so I mean and you could go through like medical history as well as like uh, most like aspirin and like uh, uh, chemotherapy was just created on accident, things like that. Yeah, so. there's also like an artistic example. There was like a sculpture way back in the day. It was the guy, uh, you know, the discus thrower. Yeah. yeah. So that's like a marble copy of a bronze original, but apparently yeah. the bronze original, the guy who made it, there's like a series of like three triangles in there or something. And yeah. the way they hold up, it's like perfect so that it wouldn't like break and fall over. And he wrote down how to do it. And he only gave this book to like his apprentices or whatever. And eventually the book was lost. They died. The knowledge died with them. And like we still to this day don't know exactly like how he made this statue. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Well, like I guess I'm still <laughs> having trouble grasping what the real, real just kernel of the question is. Um, but but if I was going to try and unwrap it a little bit, it's I, I think that you're definitely onto something talking about the premises behind the theories um, and whether or not we can objectively, I mean, uh, we've already had talks about whether or not we could look at anything objectively, um, but as closely as possible, objectively look at those premises and change them and, and apply them in different ways. Um, my My understanding of even just what a theory is is basically just an organized thought that's based off of some sort of evidence. Um, but that can be said about a lot of things. And I don't think that you can say just inherently that that's like a bad thing or it's something that filters your experience in a way that's making you miss out on all this other stuff. Like in a way it's, it's helping you experience uh, those things because if you hadn't had any sort of theory or any sort of organized thought about how to how to actually like process reality, then you wouldn't really get a whole lot out of it. You would just sort of just say, okay, well, you know, put my thumb on my butt and I just don't know what to do. Um, well, that's what's so interesting though is because like 
it seems like it's so necessary, but then we're talking about now how like that's not been the impetus of all this discovery as well. And I just wonder what what society would look like if it wasn't about trying to like nail down like, well, I'm a a, a skeptic or I'm an egoist, and because of that, like this is how I view the world and and all of that. And if it because once you do that, then you're just going to see what you've made up in your head everywhere. Yeah. When I started to do that, uh, like try to uh, fix labels to the things that I believed, I started to realize that the list of things or ways that I could describe myself became extremely long. You know, it's like I could describe myself with 25, 30, 40 words, you know, but a lot of those people don't agree with one another. But in, to my mind, to my um to the, all the knowledge that I've learned thus far, these things can fit together and create a coherent world worldview. So how useful is that to try to use 45 different academic words, you know, <laughs> labels to yeah. like describe the thing that you think exists or the, the mode that you exist as a person, you know, the, those beliefs that are like tying yourself together. Yeah, I think labels are actually really prohibitive. And I think as long as we're sort of subject to spoken and written word, as long as that's really the main form of expression that we have other than body language, like, we're not going to really be able to break that. I don't know. I guess I just yeah. think that, like, we're just kind of stuck. I mean, yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. I mean, it's it's important to remember that, uh, I mean, as far as we can tell, thought, in, at least once a human being has learned to, to speak, thought takes place through the medium of language even thought that is when yeah. i call up a symbol in my mind there's a word there's a symbol you know yeah. that represents the thought yeah. and um you know even when we just when we look at the world when we perceive it through our senses we're not just getting a stream of mixed up jumbled up sense data we're seeing objects and we're forming things and we're making relationships with our mind you know mm-hmm. right now i'm looking at three human beings mm-hmm. the human being is not the table but but what do I really mean by that? They're just atoms. Why why am I why am right. I putting it together in that right. way? There's already there's already a categorization going on, and part of that might be evolutionary, it might be biological, it might be impossible to help. But the fact is, just existing and perceiving the world already presupposes all kinds of filters that we're that we're putting on it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you can't try to get back as much as you can, but just that I agree with what you were saying that there's a limit to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. That was like the biggest, actually the line was in a comic that I was reading and it, this guy was basically spitting out all of his beliefs on this guy and the guy said like, yeah, but you can't mistake the system for reality. And that's when I was like, shit, you know, like crap. What have I, and and, and now that I kind of think about it that way, I feel like I'm at least able to take a step back a little bit from my own thoughts and allow other people to like change my mind and stuff. Um, but it's just such a weird double-edged sword where it's just like, I feel like theory has to be there because we can't talk about any, we can't, it had that filter, those, we can't categorize things if there's no way to like categorize them and then we can't like point to something because it doesn't, nec- you know, right. I don't know. Any discussion presupposes some kind of theory, I mm-hmm. think. It's, 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 it's like trying to think about thought without words, which is for us almost impossible. You know, like when you think of a pair not only are you thinking of the image of a pair, but you're also thinking that it is a pair. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I, going back to kind of the labeling thing, I just think that, like, we're so quick to label everything. Like, I, I just think that, like, even even just in our daily lives and just how we interact with each other, like, you get a first impression of somebody, and you're like, that person is this way. And so you label them that way, but that person can't be described by that label, you know? And so in that notion, like, you're sort of making a theory that this person is this way, and you're labeling him in that way. Um, and that, that, I think, is destructive. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I, I don't think that we can... I think, that, I, think, I think theories help us platform as well. And I think that they are, like, crucial to... They might think, not be. They might not be the innovators. Yeah, it I might think, not be what the innovation is based off of, but right. it helps push everybody forward. Right. You know? I mean, I think theory is crucial to education, to uh, to history, to um, all these other fields of trying to like conceptualize what 
reality looks like. But like in terms of actual progress, I can't say that it actually is useful. What, and that's I think what the driving my driving point here yeah, is what, that it's so frustrating to have all your professors tell you about you know twenty five different theories, and then you go into the real world, and then you just you know pick uh, pieces of them, and then you try to apply them to credit to try to innovate, to try to create, to try to. Yeah, because be successful because those theories essentially are just creating your concept of of reality. Oh, reality and yeah. so, like, what always blew my mind was there's like a theory in international relations called constructivism, where it's just right. like the only reason that the international uh, sphere of relations is anarchical is because you say it is. Yeah, it's because you believe it is. And yeah. the second you stop believing it is, then it won't be. And that's when you're just like, wow, okay, and. I don't know, a lot of where my research brought me in the last month or so is that like media, you know, text, words, all of that, that creates your view of the world. Like you're actually like, you can only see this room right now, but the only reason you think that all that other shit is out there is because you read about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you sit there and you, and you only read about it in these ways and it's only going to ever be that way. And it almost becomes like the chains that like it comes just like last night when we we were uh, doing the celebrity game. Like Mm -hmm. if I say a certain uh, actor, you couldn't think of anybody else. And it's almost as like, if I tell you that this is the way life is, you can't think about it. Anymore. Right. Don't yeah. think of an elephant. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Interesting. It, I don't know. It's frustrating, but, but I think that, I think that saying that there's an, there's a possibility that theory hasn't helped humanity or hasn't pushed forward humanity. Well, no, you could say that like theory is there to help educate, to try to create more equal society. Like the formal education process isn't necessarily about generating wealth. It could just be the case that it's about uh, generating equality or generating people that are interesting to talk to something (laughs) that really, though, like it could just be, you know, life is better when we know things rather than not knowing them. But it might not be the case that it's the thing that is driving humanity forward. The thing that is driving humanity forward is just trial and error and tinkering and optionality and things of that nature. Yeah. Which, but I mean, could we 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 tinker if we had no concept of theory? I think this is a really good point. I mean, it's not the case that they had a a comprehensive theory of chemotherapy before they discovered it, right? Right. But there was some notion that made them think, let's try this. And, you know, they're playing with the right toys. Yeah. There's some kind of pointer. Yeah, but for so long that that those kind of modes can be incredibly destructive. And I think maybe not uh there's a case of the steam engine which was likely created in uh ancient Greece, you know, about 3000 years ago, and then it was never fully utilized until the late 1800s, you know. And it's because we were we had technology that was well, actually, not at the time through medieval or Renaissance era, even. But we retroactively try to think that we found a theory of the steam engine, and then like built it on paper, and that because these things about uh, nature are true, it it should uh, work. You know, that's not how that usually works. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like it puts if you don't uh, let. Well, I mean, you should sort of like you should though. Like you should have theory. Yeah, like I think when we say that like theory is what help is what basically when people feed us theories and we learn these theories that that um, basically makes our concept of reality or like constructs our concept of reality more cohesive, clearer. Yeah. Well, no, I I kind of get from that a little bit of a negative connotation. It's as though like you're being shielded from reality and this is just like a lens that's putting it in front of you but reality but i think think that it puts a huge onus on the individual to try and really understand reality without having consecutive hierarchical sort of theories and processes to work work through understanding reality i don't know i guess like you can't just you can't just be like you can't just have no theories and live life for forty years and then forty years later be like okay so what is life and know what it is you know like but a person that has been really subjective, couldn't couldn't you I don't think you could I don't I, I think you would just be like it's just me living it's just I just me. don't I just can't imagine um, a, a human consciousness operating without theories however wrong they might be yeah 
Um, and I'm yeah, not even trying to stake out that position, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there are two separate, separable questions, right? One is whether theories can be destructive and prohibitive yeah. and, and sort of hold back progress. And I think you've you've given some examples that are really compelling. Um, but they might be unavoidable. And then the question would be, how do we sort of not let them get in the way? That's what I'm trying to drive at, is like, how do we put them in their right domain, try to f- realize their their best utility and not try to apply them to places where they're just lacking and they become destructful. Like, let's get them out of positions that just make us into turkeys and put them into places where they actually give us a greater understanding. And I think there's, there's too much... Uh, too much... It's way too popular in society to try to just uh, look at the world through... Uh, the lens of a theory and then just like make sure that the theory stays coherent and then get rid of everything else. Yeah. I mean, that makes life very dull. Yeah. Cause there was a point in time where I was just like, you know what? They got to figure it out. Give me any situation. I'll be able to relate it back to this. Yeah. And then I was like, maybe that's not the way I should be going out about this. You know, like, like let's, and I think that that's like very inherent in religion as well. Like going back to it is like, I think like part of, part of having like a theory is, um, like you believing in it and like it, it's sort of like the difference with what you said like being able to put it in its right place take as much as we can from it and let it be more of a beneficial thing for mm-hmm. whatever we perceive reality to be going forward as opposed to like the standard it's like people that read uh, religious texts and take them word for word and anything that's not in that text that's not you know, adhering to that word for word translation or interpretation is not right. Like, but if you take it at just kind of as like a message or as uh, something to learn from, then it could be much more beneficial in your understanding of like what reality is instead yeah. of just being like, oh, well, like this is exactly yeah. what I don't know. I found it very liberating, like to get away, to graduate from school and then uh, relinquish myself from the duty of like trying to adhere or trying to uh, create a worldview that like follows with the theories that I've learned. You know, it's like I, I feel, you know, young again almost in like the world. <laughs> it seems like Daddy for real. Steven feeling young. I feel young for again. For the first guys. time in years. I mean, I'm going to like shave my go sack golf. this weekend. It's going to look good. <laughs> it's and gonna I'm going to have, you know, moisturizer on my face. I'm going to feel it's going to get, get Yeah. Well, that's been Philosophical Deep Cuts episode two. We appreciate you listening. It's been fun. Thank you, everybody, for joining in. That was great. Happy to be here. Yeah. Hopefully, we can make this a mainstay. These are always super fun. At least one more before we before we get out of here. In Austin, yeah. Or before I get out of here, Austin. Totally. All right. Well, uh, let's let's start with just the plugathon. You can find Witty Banter and Deep Cuts on iTunes. Just search Witty Banter. Hit subscribe. All of our episodes will show up in your download queue for free. If you don't have iTunes, that's fine. Just go to wittybantershow.com. You can download all of our episodes there. Keep up with us on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash wittybanterpodcast. We're also on Twitter. We're at wittybantershow. And you can find some video clips of us on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search wittybantershow, episode whatever, and you'll find us there. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Bodacious Chase. Hunter is at Diesel Dorset. Steven, are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. It's Steven Chavana or something. Steven Chavana? Yeah. Mm. Oh, man, I'm going to guess that you're not. I'm not because I like being alone. There you go. Because <laughs> we don't need human. I don't know. If you want to feel alone, go on Twitter, man. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Boom. Whoa. Mind blown. Yeah. Shit just got meta. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for being here. Until next time, it's been Witty Banter and we're out. <laughs>